0: that's really what judgment is. Judgment isn't about one person actually judging another human being for what they look like, how they're behaving. It's a mirror. You're seeing your own bad behaviors inside of somebody else that you despise about yourself. And that's why I am so passionate about helping people stop this whole judgment thing and allow people to become more vulnerable. Welcome to Your Financial Sobriety, a podcast that challenges conventional beliefs about money and life. We're here to talk about the only three relationships in life that really matter, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, and our relationship with money. And they are all tied very closely to one another. If you've ever struggled with any of these relationships at any point in your life, then you're in the right place. I'm Matthew Grishman, co-owner of Gebhardt Group. We're a private wealth management firm headquartered just outside San Francisco, California. I'm joined by my business partner and BFF, Jim Gebhardt, who got this party started when he opened the doors of our firm in 2005. Jim and I created Your Financial Sobriety because we want to help a lot of people. We're on a mission to become the most disruptive money influencers of our time. If after listening today, you're able to take one step closer to keeping your money more aligned with the people, places, and experiences that mean the most to you, then Jim and I just got one step closer to accomplishing our mission. Episode 10. Wow, what are we doing now?
1: Episode 10. We're still in the track of working on our people, helping our people.
0: Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what we did last time and bring everybody up to speed because I think we're smack dab in the middle of this epicenter of wealth module. Yeah. And we've kind of broken it out into a few parts. And last time, we talked about the anchor of the whole thing, gratitude. And I loved how we spent some time talking about the fact that two things can't exist in the same space. I I started going down a physics lesson, and you got all mad at me because this was starting to be like school. It's okay. It's okay. Positivity and negativity, right? Can't occupy the same space at the same time. Exactly. That's the beauty of gratitude.
1: That's the teach-from-home, homeschool, science lesson for the day.
0: Well, since we talked about gratitude last time, before we get into vulnerability today, what are you grateful for today?
1: I am grateful that we can all be six feet away doing this today. Amen. The ability to freshen up, shower up, take off the sweatpants, hop in the car. Wow. Drive up to our recording studio here with our good buddy, Jeff, and be able to record this at a safe distance from one another, because I know you both have the creep and crud. (laughs) And that's what I'm grateful for, is I can suit up and and do my J-O-B today.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. How about you? Very, very same. I am so grateful to be here today. Just to get out, to be face-to-face with you, to have Jeff here, to be able to record together, it was kind of fun giving you the little elbow bump. But I am very, very grateful to be here today.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Thank you, Jeff, for making this happen. Let's get into it. So we've talked about the relationship with money. We spent a lot of time there. We started transitioning into this now relationship with our people conversation and the Mm -hmm. different modules associated with that. And we're now in the middle of this epicenter of wealth module. And we talked about how wealth is directly connected to one's ability to connect with people. Right? We talked about gratitude. It's something you and I practice on a daily basis. Today, we're going to get into this idea of vulnerability mm-hmm. and how if we approach relationships from the standpoint of gratitude and we open ourselves up to a little bit of vulnerability, we create that stronger connection. So tell me what vulnerability means to you. It's not common. It's not something that you
1: really see or hear too often, Yeah. right? It's that I'm going to put my guard down, I'm going to take my superhero cape off, and I'm going to be
0: real. Yeah. Be a human.
1: Now, you and I have always said that that is absolutely one of the most intoxicating things there is, is to be surrounded by and to be hanging out with people that are real. Because You immediately feel a sense of connection to that person because whatever the vulnerable story is that is being shared, I guarantee it, you are up in your own head with your own story that is similar, that is emotionally now
0: connecting you to that other person that you're talking with. Yeah. So it's, to me, vulnerability is just being real. And I've always wondered why we as a society struggle so much with being vulnerable, with being real, why we have to put this mask on. I mean- Look at what has just happened in the media space with reality TV. I mean, reality TV has become the most popular thing out there. You and I could sit here going through a litany of different TV shows. From the White House to... (laughs) To, um, you know, American Idol and The Voice and Survivor and all, all these different reality TV shows that give us a glimpse into real life. These people we put up on pedestals, these icons in our world today... There's something so attractive about getting a real look at their life, about how they live their life without their mask on, without their makeup on, without all their fancy stuff, just being real who they are. Well, because
1: if we're going to kind of name names here, I mean Hollywood and Madison Avenue for decades and decades and decades have been putting out a very polished image of perfection of what we're all supposed to be like, what we're supposed to look like, dress like, eat like, drive like, live like, right?
0: Yeah, but we got this love for reality TV. Yeah, because that's real. What a conflict though, right? We've got, oh, absolutely. we've got Hollywood and Madison Avenue painting this perfect picture of what we're all supposed to look like and behave like, but yet we've got this fascination with reality TV that gives us a look behind the curtain.
1: Oh, yeah. Because as soon as you get behind the curtain, it's generally a…
0: A shit show. Thank you. You said it. <laughs> I said it.
1: It's behind the Wizard of Oz screen.
0: Yeah. Right? And but yet that draws us in. It's so attractive.
1: Well, yeah, because we're all flawed human beings. Oh. We all have issues. We all have warts. We all have things about our past, our present, our potential for the future. To think that everybody is Pollyanna perfect on the outside, like it's a Disney set. I love Disney. Don't get me wrong. But any kind of a movie set where it's all perfect and pretty on the outside, uh, that, that's getting pretty boring. That's why I think it's so intoxicating and people are so drawn.
0: Yeah. To these reality shows. But yet when it comes time for us to get real, I know when it came time for me to get real, here I was so attracted to real, to vulnerable, to all this reality stuff going on in our world, to getting a sneak peek behind the curtain. I was so attracted to it. But when it came to me doing it, it scared the living crap out of me. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Because you are, in many respects, you are having to admit to another human being that may or may not pass judgment
0: on your flaw. So that's what the fear is. The fear is judgment. I mean, I know that's what the fear was for me. When
1: you came to see me, right? Let's go back and replay the tape, right? And the story of you in your bathroom and your new Hickey Freeman suit and your Rolex watch and your European cars and your rock star lifestyle. And that show, right? That was an awesome show because you were the rock star.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And the fear that you had to come to me and open up and say it was all real was... I mean, God bless you for doing it, right? I mean, that took a lot of courage to do it. Yeah. But for most people, either they they don't have someone that they feel comfortable doing that with, or if they do have someone that they feel that comfortable with, they, they feel that the judgment, right, the judgment day that's going to be coming as a result of it isn't worth the risk of being vulnerable, right? How many times have you and I sat in our conference rooms and listened to very, very successful professionals come in with a little bit of shame on their financial situation. Oh,
0: we've had that a number of times.
1: Time and time and time again, right? Yeah. Whether it's we've made all this money and we don't have anything to show for it, or we inherited this money and we blew it on X, Y, and Z, whatever the circumstances are, that should be a book that we write.
0: (laughs) All right. I'll think about that.
1: And not in the context of spilling the beans on those clients, but just in helping people develop a muscle. Yeah that is more comfortable
0: around vulnerability. And if you don't like the word vulnerability, substitute the word real. I'm hoping that by you and I having this conversation that we're making it okay for people to tell the truth. I was very lucky to have met you because I don't know if there was anybody else I would have told my story to. I thought at that point, I was the only person in the world whose most important relationship at that time was the one he had with his money. And even though it was the most important relationship I had, I'm admitting that out loud. I I probably wouldn't have said that back then, right? It wouldn't have been politically correct for me to say that money was my most important relationship, but it was based on my behavior. I thought I could take care of my people if I went out and made tons and tons of money. The problem was I got so caught up in that making of money process that it wound up damaging these other relationships. And because of that relentless pursuit for money, it wound up ruining the relationship I had with money. I got into this business. Because I saw it as an opportunity to make a lot of money. Right. Right. And yet, here I am today, now that you and I have kind of gone through this process of getting my relationship priorities in order, where money's not my most important relationship anymore, it's a much healthier relationship, but it's also been put in its proper place. And I had to focus on that relationship with self and heal that first. And then it allowed me to go out and really build these relationships with people, the ones that I had hurt. And once I was able to do that, it made that relationship with money a lot simpler. And I really thought I was the only person in the world who went through that. I don't know if I would have told anybody else that story had I not met you. So the fact that you and I are having this conversation today, my only hope by having this conversation is to get one other person who might be here with us today in this conversation feeling like I can admit my truth to myself. I can go share it with one other person. And you know what? If you don't have that one other person, send us an email. We'll be that person. Talk to us about it.
1: Absolutely. Who, just in general, don't you believe that most people think if they had more money, they'd either be happier or their people would be
0: happier? Of course. Right? That was the way I always felt.
1: And money is such a taboo subject, right? We're a couple of financial professionals talking about a lot of different topics outside and away from money, but money... Money is just a tool, as you and I have always said with the different tools in our tool bag when we help a client, that this is a tool. And guess what? We were talking about this earlier today, right? The concept of a hammer is a tool. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful tool. I can come fix your fence. We can go build a house for a nonprofit for people that don't have it. But it can also be the most common murder weapon.
0: I can whack you over the head with it. Right? Yeah.
1: And in the same context, money, and we've seen this too time and time again, how money is used as a weapon within a family, within a relationship, sure. within a partnership. Sure. Right? Where the desire for more money to cure other aches, to shower your people, as you like to say. Yeah. And let's, let's face it. I've had plenty of times in my life where I'm like, you know what? If I just make more money, it'll solve some problems. Yeah. And maybe it will, but, you know, frankly, maybe it won't because you and I can also introduce our listeners to a lot of very wealthy people that are pretty miserable.
0: We've learned firsthand through our own experiences and working with others that money's never going to create more happiness in life. Absolute certainty, it does not create more happiness. It could create comfort. It could create a temporary satisfaction because of that comfort. But we've also learned over and over again that money does not bring happiness. If you're not happy when you're poor, you're not going to be happy if you're rich. So it's not going to change your mask. No, it's not. It's not. And this whole idea of being able to connect with people in a genuine way, when we start with coming from that attitude of gratitude and then we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. For me, it happened to be allowing myself to be vulnerable to the world about my completely dysfunctional relationship with money, especially being in this business being in the in the money business where you're supposed to be flawless. Absolutely. Sure. And that's allowed me to open up a deeper conversation about being vulnerable in my relationships in life, where they're not always perfect. This shelter in place stuff we've got going on right now is not an easy thing for my family or any family that I talk to. But we are far from a perfect family who's got to-do lists on the wall and puzzles we're doing and the kids are doing their homework and everybody's perfect and we're making three meals and sitting down and saying gratitude together every night. We are far from figuring out how to live in this new normal. Just last Sunday, I had that moment, that capitulation moment of just complete and utter fear mixed with boredom, mixed with I'm not motivated to do anything. And it was a completely hopeless place to be. And I felt it. Now, fortunately, you and I have tools We've been preparing for times like these for a very, very long time, especially when it comes to this relationship we have with ourselves, with our people, and the relationship we have with money. And this short period of time that I felt these feelings, because of the work we're doing, I recognize the temporary nature of those feelings, and I let them come, and I let them go. And they didn't have to cause any more damage in the relationships, right? So you didn't impulsively go online and buy something? I didn't do what old behavior would have done. Which would have been to drink something, eat something, buy something, yell at someone, do something that makes me feel better in a temporary moment. Right. Instead, I just let the feelings come. I were with them. I let them go. And we're going to get into more of that when we get into relationship with self down the road in a few more episodes. Yeah. But this idea of just sharing this with you today that despite the fact that I feel like I feel okay going through this. I feel confident. I feel like we've protected each other's confidence and our ability to show up every day. I still have vulnerable moments where I feel scared, where I still feel uncertain, where I feel uneasy. Amen. And I share that with people.
1: I was scared to the point of tears this morning reading some research that was saying July, August, or September mm. before this thing could be, I won't say, back to normal. And some other articles about no public sports or large groups resuming until 2021.
0: Wow. Yeah, that would freak me out too.
1: And I have some dark thoughts about that.
0: Yeah. But then we go back to living two inches in front of our nose. Two
1: inches in front of our nose.
0: Yep. And Lady, the fear. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, that is one of our best tools to help stay focused and present with whatever the firefight is that's going around. Yeah. Right. Whatever foxhole you're in, whatever struggle you're having, that ability to just stay present with, okay, now I'm gonna do this. Yeah. I did that. Okay, now I'm gonna do now I'm gonna make a sandwich.
0: Yep. Now I'm going to go for a walk. What's the next right thing? Just the very next thing. Now
1: I'm going to call my mother. Right. Did you call your mother today?
0: I didn't call my mom yet today. I will after we're done recording. we
1: we got lots of time to call the East Coast. Yeah,
0: but we do that, and we have to stay in the moment. We have to stay in that moment, stay in that conversation with mom. I'm sitting here having a conversation with you, and three or four times since you and I have started talking, my thoughts already started wandering into later.
1: Oh, I saw the tennis bubble over your head.
0: <laughs> Did you? Yeah. You, saw, you saw the thoughts start to bubble up? Yeah, I saw and,
1: Amazon bubble popped up with the thing you're going to buy
0: tonight. Uh, uh-huh. What I got to pick up The pot or whatever it was. Right. I got to pick up Lucas at 6 o'clock. Pick up so Lucas it, on the way sure home. There. Right. Yeah, all of that stuff started going through my head. Yeah. But I was able to come right back into this moment. That's just the key for us right now is living two inches in front of our nose. I remember, I remember the first time I had a conversation with my dad about this idea of being vulnerable.
1: Me too. Oh, I remember it very well.
0: <laughs> we were on a really cool family vacation and uh, I was sitting with my dad and I said, you know, I think I'm going to start telling people the truth. So the book at
1: this point was more than an outline. You had been writing for a while. Yeah,
0: we'd been thinking about you it.
1: started gathering stories, started telling your truth around all of financial sobriety and what it is now.
0: Yeah, I was sprinkling it out there. Mm I had written that article on LinkedIn about confessions of a recovering wholesaler. And I got a lot of good feedback for it. So I was sitting with my dad and I shared with him that I think I'm going to start telling the truth. And he asked me what I meant by that. I said, well, I I think I'm going to start telling people about the fact that I wasn't always as good with money as maybe I am now. And that I had some challenges with it in the past. And he just looked at me and, oh, don't, don't do that. I don't, I don't know if I'd even invest money with you if I knew that about you, right? If I wasn't your father. Right. And something, up until that point, I took my dad's advice that he gave me most of my life, but there was something in that moment that just said, no, that, him telling me not to be vulnerable in that way, I don't know why it was, and, and I'm incredibly grateful for that moment with my dad because there was something about it that was almost like a sign on a, on a fence on a, on a baseball field that says, don't climb the fence, I needed to climb that fence mm-hmm. I needed to do it
1: and culturally, your dad's generation your dad's era is I'm not even sure the word vulnerability existed back then no my dad, my brother my brother's almost as old as your as your dad vulnerability wasn't it was scoffed at in a big 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 way
0: sure and that's definitely a generational thing but enough of that generational thing has lingered into oh, today sure where you and I are starting to see more of this real, I mean, obviously there's an attraction to it. It's not just you and me. There are other people attracted to being real, being vulnerable. And that's why I think it's such an important part of this epicenter of true wealth, to be able to connect with another human being. Just think about how much more connected you are to people whose insides you truly know and understand, their flaws. I mean, I remember once I I had a friend in Little League that I coached with who was making some really bad choices in his life. And I had a number of people saying to me, you need to stay away from this guy. And it kept coming back in my mind. How could I do that to a friend? What kind of real friend would I be if this person who has made some bad choices has opened up to me about those bad choices if all of a sudden I were to judge them based on it? It's important for me to have that realness in life. Well,
1: that's the risk is judgment.
0: Well, and I think if we spend a little less time worrying about what other people think, and a little more time just about being comfortable in our own shoes, which again, we'll get to, mm-hmm. this world becomes a much better place. Because I've, I've recognized that if I'm pointing my finger at you, I've got three fingers pointed right back at myself. And that's really what judgment is. I mean, I'm that's. The, I'm bobbing my head up and down
1: like a bobblehead right yeah, now. Yes. I
0: mean, judgment isn't about one person actually judging another human being for what they look like, how they're behaving, it's a mirror. You're seeing your own bad behaviors inside of somebody else that you despise about yourself. And that's why I am so passionate about helping people stop this whole judgment thing and allow people to become more vulnerable. And if somebody does choose to judge you, you have the ability to recognize, is that really about me or is that really just about them seeing a reflection of behaviors of themselves they don't like?
1: Beautiful. You know, your hair is kind of long.
0: Yeah, I heard that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really long, actually. <laughs> is that just something about yourself you I'm hate? Just,
1: I'm just judging. My hair is pretty long, too.
0: <laughs> it is. Four I'm, weeks without a haircut. I'm impressed. This is about as hippy-dippy as I get. What's poor Harold doing without you around him every four weeks?
1: Well, I hope he's listening right now because <laughs> he has the time to be listening to financial sobriety. God bless him. <laughs> so I, I love this exercise that we go through. Yeah. And why don't you lead us through it? Why don't, why don't you take people through – This layered exercise on how to just learn to be aware of when somebody is being more vulnerable. Not that at this point you
0: necessarily have to know what to do with it. Well, I I got a surprise for you. Oh, okay. I, I didn't write this one down in our little prep notes before today. Yeah. The whole layered exercise that you and I talk about is this idea of how are you? I'm great. Right. I'm great. I'm great. What happens if somebody says I'm fine? Eh. They're not fine. You know what fine stands for? They're full of shit, they're insecure, they're needy, and they're emotional. Wow. That's what it means. That's your surprise. That's my surprise. Did you make that stuff up to me? I didn't. I heard that. I wish it was an original. I'm fine. But when somebody says to me, yeah, I'm fine, they're really not. They're really all of those other things. The one that drives me a little, yeah, I'm I'm okay. Yeah, there's so much honesty in
1: that. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, Well, that's an example of no vulnerability. There's obviously the social norm of walking past another person. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We have those social norms. But then we have conversations with people. How are you? I'm Uh, good.
1: Another fun one of mine a client used to say all the time was, I'm better than I deserve.
0: (laughs) I'm so good there would be two of me sitting right here if I were any better. There you go. I I never knew how to – better than I deserve. Yeah, what does that mean?
1: Huh? And the, yeah, I'm okay. It just begs the next question. Are you really? Are you real? What's the matter? What do you got going on? Yeah, we refer to that very socially acceptable reply of
0: "Oh, I'm good. I'm great." Yeah, there's no vulnerability to that. That's above the surface. It is right. It is, and and obviously, what we're talking about is skin deep. Is kind of how, stuff. as how we respond to that question. Yeah, we're not role playing this from a standpoint of somebody else answering this question of, how are you? This is, we're controlling what we have control over, which is how we answer that question of, how are you? The next time somebody asks us that question, how are you? How are we going to answer that question? Are we going to have no vulnerability, which is the, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm great?
1: My only distinction is it's generally somebody that you care about. Yeah. Right? And whether it's the barista or Susan at the dry cleaning shop, I mean, if it's somebody that you have a relationship with, Yes, not that you're going over to their house for dinner, but somebody that you, you, you care about their business, you care about how they're doing, whatever. I go into businesses right now in the middle of this that are open, and ask them how are you guys doing.
0: Yeah, what kind and of answers just, are you getting? Are you? Getting- I'm getting
1: some real answers. Well, it's a little rough. You know, we had to let everybody go. It's you know me and Martha, and we're doing what we can. Or you know, if it's a restaurant, and we're talking about take. I mean, you start to get.
0: So you're getting under the skin a little bit.
1: Well, you if you ask the question in a genuine way there's a better than average chance you're going to get a genuine answer back. And so you and I talk about kind of the surface level of, you know, no vulnerability, I'm fine, I'm great.
0: Right. And then we
1: kind of slide down into skin deep, which uh, is...
0: I'm a little stressed. Yeah. Things aren't so great. But then we could get down a little further even and get into the, the fat layer, so to speak. I'm feeling stressed about... Blank. Fill in the blank. Money. And right now the there's a
1: long list of... Things that could cause stress.
0: So you're finding that more people you ask that in public, you're at least getting into that little below the skin, into kind of that fat layer of, of vulnerability. I am, and as you well know,
1: and my friends and a lot of clients that listen to our podcast, that's what I'm attracted to. Yeah, I am not attracted to news, weather, sports. I'm not attracted to superficial, you know, just conversations about nothing. Yeah, news, weather, I'm, sports. I'm, I'm yeah. very interested in real conversations. Well, so when but I that can talk through.
0: When you ask that question, how are you, that comes through. It doesn't come through as just the socially acceptable, hey, how are you? Right. That's different than when you walk in a room and you, Jim Gebhardt, look someone in the eyes and ask that question, how are you? I believe you when you're asking me that question, which is going to allow me to go a little deeper. Well, let
1: your shield down.
0: Because I could answer that question in one of five different ways. Right. You could ask me, how are you? How are you? I could say I'm great. Well, there'd be no vulnerability in that because we're not right now. Nobody I know is great right now. I know plenty of people who are okay, but I don't know anybody who's great right now. Skin deep would be, eh, I'm feeling a little stressed. Going into the next layer, getting fat deep might be, yeah, I'm feeling a little stressed about money right now with how it's affecting our business and we just had to let people go. If we start getting into muscle or we start actually getting all the way down to bone, Then we're starting to hear things like, I'm feeling stressed about money because we didn't plan for this. We spent too much, and I've got a real deep sense of fear and sadness going on right now about Mm -hmm. this. Yep. And it's amazing what kind of conversations can come from that, the realness of those conversations. Oh, yeah. That's the connector. Yeah. That's the attraction.
1: That's the intoxicating music that's being played that draws you in to the other person because they're being real with you to tell to, to, to really share with you the stress that they're feeling
0: yeah there's a difference between being vulnerable and just dumping on another human being dumping whatever's on your plate there's a difference
1: there's a big difference everybody likes garbage day for a reason yeah people are coming to take the stinky stuff away from the side of the house Nobody necessarily wants them to deliver garbage to your house and dump it <laughs> right. in your driveway or your front yard. Right. These relationships are, if we're lucky to have a handful of relationships where you can truly confide in another person and share what you and I would refer to as the bone deep vulnerability and really getting into the why I'm stressed.
0: Yeah. And
1: whatever it is, all the stress of this coronavirus is making me eat and drink too much. I'm not exercising enough. I'm staying up too late. I had a client earlier today who I greatly appreciated their vulnerability. We really can't meet with you at ten o'clock in the morning because we find with all this social distancing we're staying up way too late, generally till two a.m. Uh, so we're not really getting roll until nine nine thirty. So if we could have an afternoon, I was I was pfft, I was so impressed, yeah, that they were willing to be that open and vulnerable with me to say, yeah, we're not really on top of it right now, and we're staying up too late and. Could we have a three o'clock appointment? Sure. Yeah. That's, I mean,
0: absolutely. Well, no big deal. That also goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about, about saying no. Saying no is being vulnerable. It's telling a truth. I have a couple of uh, new friends that we're doing some work with in the Napa Valley area, trying to do some work for some women up in Napa County. And they wanted to get together with me on a 6.30 p.m. phone call to do some planning work.
1: I remember that, and, and I and I secretly, <sighs> when you told me that, I secretly I, <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> little chuckle. And rather than coming up with some excuse, I just told them the truth that I am worthless marshmallow. Marshmallow, come six thirty p.m. on Friday. And as much as I am excited about the collaboration and the work we're going to do together, we need to find a time that. Gets us in, in the wheelhouse of good thoughts, good thinking, powerful brain activity, well, which ain't happening at 6.30 on a Friday night.
1: And good for you to be able to, to essentially put that boundary up there and recognize the concept that we've been talking a lot about with you know protecting your confidence and all these kinds of things is you know that's not your best time.
0: And I can tell the truth about it. I don't have to make up some excuse. I can be vulnerable. Yeah, you don't real. have to
1: say you got band practice because right. nobody has band practice right now.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Good one. Very good one. All right. So what do we do? We've talked a little bit about vulnerability today. We've talked about how it's such an unbelievable connector that we're all so attracted to, yet we're all hung up on this fear. At least I know I was hung up on this fear of being vulnerable myself.
1: So if you've been using some kind of a journal or your iPad, iPhone, iThis, I that, whatever it is to keep track of this stuff, why don't you, f- first of all, just let her rip on those people in your life that you can be vulnerable with. Mm. and have no judgment around it yourself.
0: Who can you talk to?
1: Yeah. And again, if it's nobody, you've got us. Info at yourfinancialsobriety.com. Send us an email. We keep them confidential. We're sworn to that to begin with. Mm. So let just let it rip on who are those people in your life that you can be vulnerable with. Hopefully, that's a good exercise. If it's not a good exercise, then guess what? You're bringing awareness to the fact that maybe if you start to ask questions of people that would allow them to be more, more vulnerable, you can build stronger and better relationships with folks that you're going to be able to answer, not at just the skin deep level or the, at, the, at the surface level.
0: Yeah. And you have to be willing to do that if living and feeling wealthy is important. Because if this is the epicenter of creating wealth in life, our ability to connect with people and being vulnerable is that portal that opens up that ability to connect then this is that first exercise. Who who in my life now do I have the ability to be vulnerable with and vice versa?
1: And for. Mm -hmm. Right. Be there for. So then from there, you could start to look at how have you used money in the past and this quest that most people have for more and more and more money. How have you used that like junk food, right? You do a beautiful job of painting a picture of how – Reckless spending or in the environment we're right now an overconsumption of immediate diet yep. is much like too much junk food. Yep. So how have you used money as junk food in the past? I know for me that – and we've talked about it before in the podcast – that frictionless ability on Amazon to go click, click, I bought it. Right. Is a way that I have abused money as a temporary relief valve to well, and I think- let some pressure out of the old –
0: well, and I think Furnace. what's important for this exercise is to take what you're suggesting, this idea of writing down and visualizing, actually owning, right, accounting for and owning some of the ways we used to use money as junk food, and expand that to how have those behaviors affected your relationships with your most important people? Have they hurt people? Have those behaviors hurt the people you care for in life?
1: No doubt. because How I've, have they
0: hurt people? Because I've spent money recklessly without
1: talking about it with Mia Esposa. Yeah. And it's not like we have a threshold like, you know, over $100. I know some couples that have over $200, $100, whatever it is, y- you have a conversation. Beth and I have never asked that of one another. We've never felt as though we've needed it. But I know at times my reckless spending has racked up 500 to to $1,000 over a month or two of needlessness.
0: Right. And right? then Beth's asking you about a family finance issue the next month. Yeah. That you don't have the money for. Right. Yeah, I've been in those shoes too. Yeah,
1: like we need to fix the fence from the oak tree that fell down because we can't let the dog out in the backyard because we never repaired that part of the fence. And I'm sure that $1,000 could could take care of that. Right. Those kinds of examples are where I know I do my own self-reflection on that. And I have definitely, thanks to this process and financial sobriety and and openly talking about it, I've gotten better. I'm certainly not perfect. I went online and bought a Google Mesh Wi-Fi home snazzer-dazzer internet That's upgrade how, a, uh, quite a couple gizmo- days ago. Yeah,
0: quite the gizmo. Yeah,
1: it was a $230 gizmotch that we obviously <laughs> had to have because I was done <laughs> listening to everybody complain about Wi-Fi. There you go. So clickety-click, boom, done. Uh, we'll have it Monday.
0: Very good. This exercise of how have I used money for instant relief, how have I used money as junk food, and how has that behavior with money affected the relationships in my life. In the next episode, when we talk about the third key component to the epicenter of wealth, we're going to talk about trust. And that's where we're going to be able to get into how we can fix some of the damage. I'm going to spend some time talking about how I went about fixing the damage, healing some of the ache in my family as a result of my money behaviors. It's an men's process that happens just through my choices going forward, being able to own the mistakes that I made and having the willingness to go out and fix those mistakes and following through with that has helped me repair so much damage that I caused because of this dysfunctional relationship I had with money and how it affected my people and then how it left me feeling about myself. And we're going to get into that in the next episode. Fantastic. I can't wait. Well, I think that's a wrap for episode 10. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. Member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance.